down to earth in a language that everybody here can easily understand. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Oh, I, I say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you. What we got here is a failure to communicate. Welcome to the Uncommon Communicator Podcast. Your hosts, James Gable and Brandon Thompson, are here bringing you enlightenment to the topic of communication. Good afternoon, James. Good afternoon, Brandon. And I will say Happy New Year. Yes. Um, actually, last one of the year. I was like, yeah, no, this is the last Happy New Year of the year. I, um, after today, I'll see you next year. Yeah. Uh, I will tell you that yeah. after we get done with this recording. Yep. That's always a good time. Uh, it's my favorite joke of the year, actually. Yeah, I used that at work this week. Did you? And after somebody else apparently had, and I didn't hear them, and they thought it was lame. So yeah, you have to be the first one to say yeah, it. Like, exactly. if you're not the first one to say it, you're the like, you're, it's the worst. And I've been saying it to every like all the regulars at work. I've been like, no, nah, I'll see you next year because I got today and tomorrow off. I was like, I'll catch you next year. It'll be fine. It'll be great. Um, so let's discuss the book "Never Split the Difference" by Chris Voss. Because, you know, that's what kind of what we've been doing throughout that's this what whole we're podcast. Doing here. Yeah. So we, we've moved into the illusion of control. That is the title of today's podcast. Mm-hmm. One thing I wanted to talk about, there's a bunch of quotes in here. You can read through the book. We Again, encourage you to get the book, read we, the book. You should buy the book, Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. I am. I love quotes. There's a couple of them I wrote down that I really, really liked. And one was, unbelief is the friction that keeps persuasion in check. And we're going to talk more about that quote. It'll come back up. Yeah, we're going to talk about that nasty word, unbelief. Um, yeah, you love that word, huh? It's, unbelief. As a communication major, some people's communications is not inaccurate, but also not the most effective way of communicating. And that word is that? That that word is functionally unfunctional. And it, it drives me insane. Well, I, I can't wait to hear that. The book that. was published with that like in the title. They're like, yeah, no, dude, here's the, here's the concept. Let's do it. Here let's, we go. Let's get it on. Yeah. The other one was, he who has learned to disagree without being disagreeable has discovered the most valuable secret to negotiation. I believe you call that the fortune cookie. <laughs> he who has learned. <laughs> that's, that's exactly. It sounds a little fortune cookie-ish, but we need you to understand that it is, it's going to be, tr- it's going to be key to what you're going to be trying to do. Um, and, and we'll dive into this, right? So the title of the chapter is create the illusion of control because you, you need to understand that like your counterpart and you are working through this situation together, right? And Chris has a bit of a failure that he discusses at the beginning of this chapter, um, which, and he even says that failure can then lead to success as it should, right? Like as it should, you don't ever walk in at something on the first try and completely nail it. If you do, God bless you. You're much better than we are. Um, but so the main story that Chris leads off with is it's another uh, hostage situation involving Abu Sayyaf. He's having a hard time in the Philippines. That's it's a, a hard knock life for them. Well, you know, number one, like kidnapping capital of the world. I'm pretty sure that's probably got to be like the hostage negotiators, like backyard, dream town, all that other stuff, right? Dream, I don't think it's a dream. Well, nightmare dream, town. Nightmare maybe. town. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's your job. Like, like if you're a negotiator, you dream about negotiating. Yeah, that's your right? job. Like, this is this is my dream. Because like, this is his dream job, right? So he's got his dream job. Now, like, are you upset when you get your – so when you go do your dream job? Is that not dreamland? So you're doing your dream job, but the rest of the time you're just sitting around Quantico telling stories. Yeah, just telling stories, right? right. But your dream job's out there. Right. Yeah. Waiting for that call. Wait, waiting for that call. To go to the Philippines. Yeah, just, just sitting there waiting to go to the Philippines, right? Um, but so in this story, they're negotiating back and forth for months, and he's trying to work with the Filipino negotiators, and there's a bunch of politics that are in high end, and he can't quite get the message that he wants out there. 
blah 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 there's a war zone that gets involved. And what ends up happening is the actual, um, the hostage gets out. And the hostage gets out and kind of stumbles into this war zone and ends up getting shot. Yay. That's a that, that's a bad, bad thing. That, that's a terrible result, right? Yeah. Like they spent months trying to negotiate, months trying to, they couldn't even, he, he talks about how he couldn't even get this dude on the phone, right? Like they were like, okay, we need to, we just, like they were looking for proof of life. And their old way of looking for proof of life was to be like, all right, let's ask them a question that there's no way in hell the hostage takers would know this answer, right? Like, what is your grandmother's dead dog sister's name? Like, just, just something, right? This is like an, something that you would never, you would never know unless you were said person. Right. And, um, they, so it doesn't work, right? So they, they try and do this and they can't ever get it on the phone. They can't get things working out. And the guy ends up dead. Complete and total failure from a negotiator's perspective. RIP. Sad times. What he doesn't know is that there's somebody else working the same case and he's a bit of a crooked politician. And this crooked politician actually got the hostage on the phone. And Chris is like, bro, what? Like, how does the crooked politician get somebody on the phone and I'm literally paid to do this and I can't even do this? And it's, it's, he kind of has like a moment. He's like, okay, I need to reevaluate what I'm doing. And he reevaluates what he's doing. And he actually runs into another fun story that James likes a lot. Um, James is a big, James is a big fan of the drug dealer story in this next one. Oh yeah. And, but so he, he learns that what he calls, he calls it a showdown. When you sit down and you're doing this thing where you're trying to ask like a close, a closed ended question. And that, that's hinting at what's coming up next, but you ask like a closed ended question, right? So I can ask you like a yes or no question, right? Are, are they alive? And then you would respond with yes or yes or no, like right. yes or no, right? Yeah. So ideally, if I ask a hostage taker, are they alive? You would respond with, of course they are. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. Yes. Great. So I've now asked you for proof of life, right? And you have now given me proof of life. So then what do you, like, then you get to come back at me with another Yeah, that's, uh, what do they call that? The tit for tat, right? Yeah. It's, it's, so that's, uh, you give me something, I get something from you, and that's the common negotiating interchange that he's trying to avoid. Yeah. Because if he asks for that and they give that proof of life, which, you know, a lot of times it's a guy holding the newspaper, right? Mm-hmm. They give that proof of life. And then the next step is now we've got to give them something. We've something got to back. give something back. And they that's why they avoid it because they knew he was alive at that point. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to ask those questions. So they're not getting any interchange at all. Yeah. You know? no, they're right. not really getting the confirmation because they think he's alive. We'll see. And then that's what, so, and that is what he describes as a showdown, right? Like you're sitting there, the other person on the person at the other side of the table, your counterpart, you're looking to destroy, you're looking to get everything out of like, right. I'm not going to pay you any money. I'm going to get this dude home alive to his wife, to his kids, whatever it is. And everything's going to be fine. It's a showdown, right? Neither of you are empathizing. Neither of you are mirroring. Neither of you are labeling. Neither of you are getting any of the information you need. You're just sitting down there trying to destroy the other one. It's a straight-up showdown. Nothing good happens. Yeah, you'll never get anywhere. You're no. stopped, right? It's a deadlock at that point. And at this showdown, they call it unbelief. When your counterpart does not... Hmm. Okay, I told you. This is a functionally unfunctional statement, all right? But your counterpart does not believe what you're saying, right? It's like when you're sitting here and you need somebody to understand what's going on. They're sitting there and they're like, no, I'm not on board with what you're saying. I don't believe you. I don't like it at all. Read that quote for me one more time. Unbelief is the friction that keeps persuasion in check, right? It it just, you're not going to be able to persuade somebody if they unbelieve you. Horrid. That's so stupid. I'm still not getting that. Okay. And that, well, that's one of the reasons I've, Probably read this book so many times. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because I didn't understand how he wrote the book. Okay. But I understand where you're going with that. Is that I, did, I had a hard time with that word as well, too. Now, they, they do quote Kevin Dutton, mm-hmm. and his description or his definition of unbelief 
is unbelief is active resistance to what the other side is saying or complete rejection, which would make more sense to me that it's complete rejection. It's not unbelief. It's complete rejection of I, what you're trying to say. So, so give me like, just state a fact. Uh, oh, wait, wait, wait. No, here we go. Okay. We have discussed if Die Hard is a Christmas movie or not, right? Correct. Okay. You don't believe me when I say that. I still don't believe you. Okay. That is unbelief. Okay, right. So unbelief. See, so I'm not persuading you. It's keeping persuasion in check. Persuasion is not happening. Persuade like persuasion is like, unbelief is like the wall that persuasion is trying to get through. So the wall has not been persuaded. You are rejecting what I say, even though it's blatantly obvious. And America has voted multiple times that Die Hard is indeed a Christmas movie. Yeah, it was on the news. Yeah, they're, they're talking about. Yeah, I don't know what you must want be for. true. Now. They've done the studies. It was I don't on know Channel what, Seven. It was on Channel it Seven. It was on ABC. The IMDb did a whole thing on it. They took a poll. I don't yeah. know what more you can watch. There's in this sweaters movie. now. Ugly sweaters. There are ugly Christmas sweaters yeah, that people so get it's for Christmas. Got to be true now. Anyway, but but to for me. Understanding now that unbelief is rejection, mm-hmm. I can substitute that word in my mind because I had a hard time with that unbelief word yeah, uh, yeah. in my mind because it just didn't seem to flow. It's forward. a horrible the, – the way – the problem is is that they like they're saying it's, – it's basically you saying I don't believe you, right? So we're sitting down here in a negotiation and it would just be like saying, you know, hey, man, 27,000 is the best I can do. I don't believe you. We need that to stop. That unbelief, that non-believing – unbelief – non-belief maybe maybe non-belief non-belief you don't believe what i'm saying you think that i am still the enemy and you think that i'm still peddling you a bunch of crap that's right that's what unbelief is Ah! oh hey oh man you got that from me boom boom goes it on there you go but that's what unbelief is um so he realizes that showdowns and unbelief are like a massive problem but you know, so Chris still has a job to do, and Chris goes to his next assignment, which is in New York City. In, well, of course, it's in New York City. What I love about the story, he kind of come back a little bit reeling from his Philippine trip, right? There's like, what happened there? That's he. They were still trying to figure all that out. He got his butt kicked, and I guess for fun, the FBI sits around and listens to tapes from other uh, hostage negotiations to learn from them. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's a weekend. That's yeah. a Saturday night. That's what, you know, that's what he's doing. On New well, I, I mean, I you know, know, you're doing a little bit of research and you, you, I look, I would love to every now and then I kind of like watch other baristas do their job and I'm like, Oh, you messed that up, honey. It'll be okay. <laughs> like you, you can come back from this. So I, I could see him like sitting in like a big old like chair, like, you know, the big leather chair got like an old fashioned or like a whiskey it's, on the rocks. Yeah. Got like a headphone in. Got a little like smoke in the room. Crackling right? fire, that kind of a yeah. thing, right? And he's just sipping on it, listening to it. Yeah, just living it up. So they're listening to some tapes of this uh, negotiation that happened. And the guy brought it in because he thought it was hilarious at first. Mm-hmm. And then we'll get to the to the point that really opens his eyes. But, he, but it was a drug dealer in Philadelphia had his girlfriend kidnapped mm-hmm. by another drug dealer in Philadelphia. Yeah. So what is the drug dealer who now has his girlfriend kidnapped... By the other drug dealer, what is who does he call? He calls the homeboy calls the FBI. He's gonna call the <laughs> FBI, right? Of course he is. Yeah, why would you? Yeah, why would you and, and a person that continually act, you know what acts outside of the law commits illegal crimes? Like, oh yeah, I'm gonna call the FBI. Like you don't call nine one one. That's like, oh yeah, man, my buddy got shot on a drug deal. I'm gonna call nine one one. Well, see, that's the cops, right? So yeah. here they're thinking, all right, this aren't the cops. This is the FBI. And yeah. what do they do? They help with hostages. Apparently. So they call. They're riding along with this guy, and they're listening mm-hmm. to him kind of chatter back and forth, um, trying to haggle, I guess, and get his girlfriend back. Yeah. And they're involved in it. Of course, they're, they've taped every bit of this. And then my favorite part 
is at one point that guy's like the what the drug dealer is like you know how does he even know that his girlfriend's alive and he blurts out hey dog how do i know she's all right and then what happens they think this is the funniest thing that could happen he's like well why don't i just put her on and so he grabs her puts it on so he instead of that tit for tat he's like here you asked a question here it is here it and is, it was right? free because he says how do i know and that's where we're going today, right? That's exactly. So those kind of questions, right? So when you ask, so the way that they used to ask for proof of life was same kind of a deal, right? Send me a picture with a, with a newspaper. Give me her, you know, dog's middle name, whatever. They would do it, right? And you can get an answer. That's a tit for tat. That's a showdown. That's not what we want. What you want is your counterpart to do work for you, right? You are creating an illusion of control. So you want them to think that they're in, they're involved, right? They, they are processing all this stuff that's going on, right? He asked the question, yo, dog, how do I know she's alive? Right? And he's sitting there. He's like, okay, um, you're right. This is a situation. How do I move forward, right? When you're doing something, you're in control of the situation. So he then forced him to sit down and be like, okay, let me go grab the girlfriend. Let's go get this on the phone. We'll prove that she's alive. And then we can continue on with negotiations, right? But again, they it, it wasn't a tit for tat. It wasn't a whole like... Prove to me that she's alive. We'll get this. It's like, yo, man, how, like how circle the word, how underline the word, how take a fancy yellow highlighter. That's apparently not good for writing on paper and highlight the word, how, and understand that that is important, right? Cause they are then going to be doing work for you. And when, and because they think that they're the ones doing the work, they think that they're in control of the situation. And that's the magic of that word is the word, how makes that person start solving your problems. Yes. And that's, I think the big key. And what I love is he calls it his holy, you know, you use those words all the time. Which, <laughs> we have to bleep it out later. No. Oh, his, uh, oh, it's a four letter word that starts with S and I think there's a country zone. It's like, now my four-year-old said a four-letter word started with S and I was concerned. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. that word right there, uh-huh. which we don't use because we're kid-friendly on the show. Yeah, no, we we are definitely. And on we don't the know PCS. how to use the bleep button either. But that was his, and he calls it that was his, you know, holy S moment. But more important, what I got from that is that was his moment of enlightenment. It is. It it's was like a much. light bulb went on. Like the, he realized that 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 how question got something for free out of yeah. this guy. No, it very much did. Right, and he just he's like, okay. And, and they, he calls it, what, what does he call these kind of questions? Calibrated. Calibrated questions, right? He's looking to put it on your counterpart to come up with the answer, but it's not closed-ended, right? Because closed-ended means that it's a tit-for-tat situation. I have now given you this answer. You now must give me something else. And that's not what we want. What we want are these calibrated questions. Now, James, what kind of questions are like calibrated questions? Are there examples of these calibrated questions that Chris Voss? There are some. Now, in general, uh, I think a general rule is the, you know, the interviewer's question: who, what, when, why, where, how. Yes, that is. Those are very common and very good kind of open-ended questions to use. But Chris and the FBI takes it a little bit farther than that, and they want you to use what and how. Mm -hmm. How first, followed by what, and then maybe why. The other ones you can throw out because they all are kind of duplicates and they're not getting you to where you want to go. Well, for the most part, you pretty much know the when, the where, right? Like, like that's kind of, and you know, and you know that he's the who or whoever's the who, right? And then like y'all, the, the, the who, the when, and the where basically just like details that y'all can hammer out later, but you need to get down to the what, the how, and possibly the why we kind of get into why later but like why, why is going to be kind of the next chapter he kind of dishes on why yeah, yeah why, we're, we're not a popular of why so unless you're like a you know fbi hostage negotiator we recommend you throw a why out but we'll discuss that in the next chapter but the key being the who or i'm sorry the what the what and the how, and the how right 
And but, so, so what are the examples of these questions? Well, there's a couple of them. Like, what about this? Actually, let's go back. What's the biggest challenge you face? Is one of the biggest, or is one of the most used questions in negotiating in negotiations? What's the biggest challenge we're facing here? That way, it gets it right out on the table. Because remember, we're both stuck in that unbelief, You're stuck in the yep. right? Mm-hmm. Can I use that word? We're stuck in unbelief. I think we that, did, yeah. I was like, we've given the definition and we had a that's it moment. So I think I'll qualify that okay. as you can use the word now. So that's where we're starting the negotiation. And with that, we're going to, we have to get, we got to get off the center. Mm-hmm. And how are we going to get off center? And that's one of the ones is what's the biggest challenges that we're facing here? Mm-hmm. That opens up an open-ended question. It's a what question. And then that individual can then say, hey, this is what's bugging him. Hopefully you get that information out. So that's the most used. But here's another one. What about this is important to you? Right. And this is prying for information, right? You're sitting down and it almost, it humanizes both of you, right? Like you were coming to your counterpart and it's it's putting both of you in the same room. And it, cause he, he does a lot of these negotiations over a phone, right? I, I couldn't even imagine. I, we, we should try and do like a show where like I'm on the side of a phone and you just have like on the speaker or How something. About a pay phone. Well, pay. Let's put you in a pay phone. No, you have to do, put me in a phone. Do you know what that is? Yeah. I, I've, I've actually used a pay phone before in New have York you? City. Yes, okay. I have. Yeah. Um, but right. And he's just trying to, so he needs to be able to humanize both sides and just put each other in the same room and asking this question does it, right? What about this is important to you? Okay, I need you to explain yourself so I can get this information, right? So that way I can properly empathize. That way I can probably work with you. I can like mirror you. I can ask you more questions. What's the next one? So the next one, how can I help? How can I help to make this better for us? Right? I'm saying that yes, I'm invested in this, right? Like this is a crappy situation. How can I help make this better? Not like what are you going to do or like what's this going to do, right? It's not, it's not a tip for tat. It's a how am I going to help you? It's not how are you going to help me. It's not. It's not me looking to pry something out of you. It's how am I going to help you? You. And I, I like. I've used this other one before. How would you like me to proceed? Because when you're at a point where you're not really quite understanding what that person wants you to do, throw it on them. How do you want me to proceed here? Yeah, it's just in in that way you can get more answers, right? Like if they want you to do something different than the way you would be, like okay. I think I can, I now kind of, un, you understand their perspective better once you kind of see how they want this thing to proceed. Yeah. And this next one is what, what is it that brought us into this situation? He's asking them to summarize, yeah. right? He's hit, he, he's, he wants them to summarize because he's wanting to try to get to a that's right moment, trying to use all the other stuff that we've learned, right? The building blocks that we keep talking about, how this book just builds on each other, right? That question right there allows you to use everything else that we've put for every all those other tools that we've now put in your toolbox to get moving forward, right? Yeah, and what I like about that is there's times where you don't know for sure. Like, why are we here? Yeah. Why are you so angry at me? Mm-hmm. You know, we don't. Sometimes we don't even understand what has got us to that point. So that should draw that one out. The next one is how can we solve this problem? See, and, the, and it's again, it's a we mm-hmm. and a problem. How do we solve it? Yeah, those are actually straight up. Those two questions are probably pretty important for anybody in a relationship ever. <laughs> like. Someone, someone comes home mad and it's what brought us to this situation, right? Just like comes home like spit mad or something like you didn't take the trash out. Well, maybe it's not about the fact that I didn't take the trash out. Maybe someone had a bad day at work or something like that. And you get to ask that question of hey, Brandon, what brought us to the situation? It's never about the trash. It's never about the trash. <laughs> there you go. Right? So then, like, then, how do we solve the problem again? It's just and how do it's we, we solve it? How do we solve it? It's, yeah. it's, it's a we thing. It's you. It's putting you together in the same room. Empathizing because it, it, that's an empathetic way to ask that question, right? It, it very much so. And this really, 
everybody talks about being collaborative now. Collaborative mm-hmm. is the new catchword. Okay. Collaboratively, we're working, you know, in groups. I have a collaborative office where it's an open office concept, that type of idea. It's stuff that we've done for a long time, but that this is doing the same thing is how do we solve the problem? It's being collaborative if we're using it in today's words. Mm-hmm. Or in Chris Voss's words. In Chris Voss's words. So what's the objective? What are we trying to accomplish here? Right. And that's just restating and that's just like getting up, getting everybody on the same page. Right. So there's not exactly the how do we do it. It's more of just like a, okay, or it is, it's, it's understanding what both sides are trying to get to. Right. It's, this is the goal. And then we're going to get, how do we get there? Cause what's the last one? This is the golden goose of questions. Mm-hmm. How am I supposed to do that? Okay. And that one he very much goes over in the next chapter. So we don't want to spend too much time talking about how am I supposed to do that? Because he does a really good job of covering the hows in the next chapter. So, like, y'all stay tuned for that one. Um, but the next thing that he really focuses on, right? So, the calibrated questions are the tools that you're going to, like, again, this is the tool that you're going to throw in your toolbox. But there's another aspect to this that gets a little bit tricky. And all of us can fall suspect to it, right? Like, all of us have emotions. All of us have that animalistic brain that he talks about. Like, it all just happens. So... The real trick is that you have to be able to hold on to your emotions, right? And he talks about um, a story where he was trying to get someone paid. So so how do you not get paid, James? How do you not get paid? How do you not get paid? How about you make angry the person that you're trying to negotiate with? How about you just stay in that confrontation uh, unbelief? Yeah, right. When you sit down, you go into a showdown. It's terrible, right? You don't use those calibrated questions. He talks about a story where... Um, she was, again, she, she couldn't work with her boss. She's looking for like a severance kind of a thing. They're trying to discuss a number, trying to come to a figure. And, and he's like, okay, here, look, I'll give you the script. We need you to do it. He describes the boss as being chauvinistic. Like clearly, clearly these two were not meant to be in the same room. I've had, I've had a boss like that mm-hmm. where like I just can't stand the, the sight of her and it just, just irks me the whole way. Like, <laughs> like you just look, it's like when someone like walks into your room, you're like, everything about you just is terrible. I don't want that. Right. And so those are, that's important for negotiating. It's mm-hmm. important for relationships. It's important for communication because you are going to have those people. Yeah. And when you have those people, everybody will have them. Uh, there was one recently on a job. The, the first word out of this guy's mouth, and I don't get upset that quick. First word out of his mouth, I knew I wasn't going to. We you weren't going to get along. Get along. Uh-huh. It's just how he had approached his words and stuff like that. So everybody, and I get along with most people. Was, yeah, you do. Yeah. But this guy just, just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. So you're going to have them. But the key to that was... Keeping your emotions in check. Controlling your emotions, right. right? So what ends up happening is she she does the email trick that you're a fan of, right? That whole, like, have you given up on this project? Like, gives him the email trick. Boss picks up the phone in 10 minutes, right? Chris? So so this is where Chris has succeeded, right? So Chris was like, all right, email trick. Here's the script. Go. Well, and let's talk about that script for a second. These are these were calibrated questions, mm-hmm. but it was a script that he says is like a 90% success rate. Yep. When you... Think about what you're going to say instead of letting your emotions run. And instead of mm-hmm. kind of randomly going in with with your plan, you script it out. And he scripted it for her. So she got, what, the first one, he responded. Yep. The next one, here's the script. She went through the script. Mm-hmm. Then what? Well, and, and she the issue is, is that she just kind of lost control. As he says, the first step, the magic email works better than imagined. And the CEO called within 10 minutes, surprising her. Almost immediately, her anger flared at the sound of his patronizing voice. Her only desire became to show him how he was wrong, to impose her will, and convince. Or, uh, the, and the conversation became a showdown. We went nowhere. 
you probably don't need me to tell you that she didn't even get half, right? So this picks up the phone. Everything's going good. We're sitting here to get the negotiation. Homie, first word, right? Just probably said something. Don't exactly know what it was, but the first word happened, and it's her her, uh, her hackles. Her hackles. hackles just came up. Just, just spiked up, and she just lost control. She couldn't handle it, and then it became a showdown. And what do we not want, James? We do not want... A showdown. Because showdowns have unbelief, and unbelief is rejection. We're not here for rejection. We're here to work through this problem. Yeah. So a clear example of letting her... Um, she was 90% there. Yeah. Like, if 90% of them win, she was on a win she, right she, there. Like, that, that was it. Like, that was... She threw an interception on the, like, the last play of the game. She did. Um, and so the real trick is to be able to control your emotions. And I thought one of the cool things that he brings up are... Um, he says the Japanese have this figured out. When negotiating with a foreigner, it, or it's common practice for a Japanese businessman to use a translator even when he understands perfectly what the other side is saying. That's because speaking through a translator forces him to step back. It gives him time to frame his response. So, so it's like a, so if you're sitting down, right, and, and this can be a thing that you need to do, right? If you're sitting in a room with somebody and you just need to straight up like take a breath before you say something, I've done this before. I'll do it uh, if I have to work with a customer at work. That's just being frustrating, right? I will, because um, they can't see like below the registers or whatever, right? I straight up, I dig uh, my thumb into the corner of our little pastry cart. Oh, really? Oh, dude, I can't. It, like, it hurts a little bit, right? But like, it, it keeps me focused, and I'm like, just, just, just smile, <laughs> say nothing, like, just take a breath, and just like focus on something else that's not said human being, right? And it, and it, it's hard, but you just you have to sit there and you, you just you take it, right? Like, you just sit there and you go, okay. And then once they're done. Then you get to hit them with these questions, and you need to use the script, and you need to get them there. And but the real trick is that you have to be like, okay, and then go forward. It's got to be level-headed. As much as we talked about how like logic was still emotions, it's the same kind of thing, right? You have to be pull out your Spock, do whatever you got to do. Leonard Nimoy, use it. Like not the Zachary Quinto because that one was kind of lame, but mainly the Leonard Nimoy Spock. Use it. If you need to go straight up Spock, do it and slow it down, which is. Of course. My favorite word, right? Yeah. Slow it down. Slow it down. Just take a breath and slow it down. So that's that's the big bits from this chapter. It's like you need to make sure that you're no longer in a showdown, right? It's not a tit-for-tat situation. You need to hit them with those calibrated questions, right? Put it on them to solve these problems for you. Because when even even I, like both you and I are like we're like, oh yeah, no, we're solving this together. We're doing this. And then if it's you, if you feel like it's your idea, you're the one doing it, you feel like you are in control. When, in fact, it's actually the person that asked the question that's in control, but your body's like, oh, yeah, we're solving it. I'm appeasing this person. Everything's going great. We're going to get through this together. It becomes a together thing with those calibrated questions, and you're going to get to the end. And then lastly, just stay in control of your emotions because you need to be able to get to that moment of enlightenment. And speaking of moments of enlightenment, James, what is the UC moment of today? The UC moment of today is to create the illusion of control by controlling your emotions and getting to that mutual understanding. Yes. Eliminating that unbelief. Which ties right in with our UC mantra. Which is always which has always been enlightenment, right? Like yep. in order to be an effective communicator and in order to get things done effectively in a timely manner and where everybody's sitting there happy, you have to have that moment of enlightenment, which become or which is getting rid of unbelief. That's right. Boom. Just believe, man. Just believe. 
All right, so James, what's coming up next? All right, up next, we're going to talk about a guaranteed execution. There's a lot of things that we're going to unpack from that one. As Chris continues to build on all of these principles, he kind of ties them back in, and we talk about a guaranteed execution. That's all we got today. That's all we got today. I was like, we'll, uh, we'll catch you guys next year. See, See you, bye. bye.